Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Obviously, I've been gone for a really long time. And as much as I wish I could talk about all of this, it's really hard for me to say this just because I know that it's something that needs to be addressed. It's just unfortunately, which is also why I didn't know exactly when I should come back to YouTube. Um, but the reason for that is just because I'm legally not allowed to speak on anything going on. Y'all, this week's bad bitch quote comes from none other than the infamous former college student, Olivia Jade, daughter to Massimo Giannulli, and none other than Aunt Becky herself, Lori Laughlin. I am obsessed. Olivia came back to YouTube today in a video titled, Hi Again, all lowercase, um, in which she explains in the two-minute video that she has a lot to say, but she cannot legally speak on anything, that she missed us, and after nine months, she's ready to come back. Hashtag Olivia Jade 2020. She did not say that I did. <laughs> but yeah, for you guys, she's like the hottest bitch in Operation Varsity Blues, the scandal she and her sister were basically paid hundreds over a hundred thousand dollars to get into USC faking pictures of them rowing, even though the bodies were of Asian girls. And despite the fact that Olivia in past YouTube videos made it very clear that she had no interest in being in school, that really the only interest she did have was in partying and to get that like whole like college life experience in terms of like socializing and football games and probably drinking, I'm sure. But the, 
In terms of the academics, she really had no interest. So the hints were there all along the way. We all remember this fateful day where Aunt Becky was trending on Twitter for three days and we find out that she really stepped in it. She and Felicity Huffman. Felicity has since been in and out of jail, but Lori and her husband stand strong. They (laughs) seem to have the most confusingly bad Um, like arrested development style lawyers in the country. They are fighting this very obvious bad move on their part and are going to trial and they're facing over 50 years in jail on multiple charges. Will they get this? No, we'll probably see them. I'm going to say six to nine months tops for Lori and probably even less for Massimo. But with that being said, yeah, Olivia Jade, OJ's back. She's, she's ready. And she is just going to jump right into it. Now, the comment section is great. <laughs> there have been over 4,000 comments already. Um, Starting with, I'm pretty impressed that she left the comments on. Pretty brave. I agree. Um, they are people saying, today is the USC application due date. She really posted it right on time. She really must be needing that YouTube sponsorship money now that the holidays are upon us. She misses that paycheck. Um, I'm a rower myself and we train every single day of the week for at least five hours. This takes a lot of work and time and it's rude of you to mock the people who have the strength to do it. Um, Olivia, this is the best we can do. Us try again. (laughs) Nah, stay offline. Um, Go away. Your parents belong in prison and I look forward to seeing that day. My son worked his butt off to get his into his first pick school. Thank God it wasn't a school you or your cheating clan was interested in. Otherwise, he'd be going somewhere else. Mommy's going away for a long time. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, this is wild. I would love to know your thoughts on Olivia Jade's return to YouTube. Do you think that she deserves to get back the commenters do not seem to but yeah I want to know like what are your predictions for Olivia Jade in 2020 do we think is this going to be one of the people who are truly canceled through and through sound off in the comments like and subscribe next on my list of nepotism gone wrong is Hunter Biden y'all have you guys been keeping up with this dude because he is fucking wilding dude page six came out with a report okay maybe it's important to make a little history of hunter biden hunter biden as we know currently is the catalyst to the the impeachment in terms of the ukrainian involvement and of a quid pro quo between giving them aid and digging up dirt on hunter Hunter is a wild, wild man, as I have just said. He, um, his brother passed away from cancer a few years ago, and he divorced his wife and got, started dating his brother's widow. During that time, it has just come out that he had fathered a child by a stripper 
named Dallas while he was dating his brother's widow. They broke up and he married this lady named Melissa Cohen within like months of the breakup. So it came out last week that Hunter, who was known for frequenting strip clubs in New York, um, has spent several thousand dollars during a pair of trips recently, including one that sent a staffer scrambling to buy a sex toy so the strippers could use it on him. Um, so Hunter went to the Hustler Club in Hell's Kitchen, shout out to Hell's Kitchen, about a year ago. On each occasion, he and his companion went to, I do they still call it a champagne room? It's like a private room. Um, we order bottles of pricey booze and we're joined by several strippers, according to sources. During one particularly wild night, the worker suspected Biden was high and he was warned that drugs were not to be used on the premises. That was the night that a worker had to be sent out to purchase a dildo so the girls could use it on Hunter. Um, page six says it's unclear, it's unclear if the club didn't have a similar device on hand or if he insisted on a brand new front one fresh out of the package. So I appreciate them for that investigation. Um, apparently though, um, Hunter is an almost ideal customer. They say he's a pretty nice guy, pretty friendly, and a pretty good tipper. Um, his lawyer did not respond to comments about this but I think, you guys, we need to, like, keep on the Hunter Biden track. Should I just, like, keep seeing what he's up to? Because this dude is a wild, wild dude. And I'm here for it. Now, if you're a Housewives of New York fan like I am, I think we all were shocked to find out the news that Tinsley Mortimer, none other than the former It Girl of New York, turned felon not felon inmate <laughs> turned housewife as now gotten engaged to her chicago coupon king scott kluth we saw scott a few seasons ago when carol radziwill and her teenage boyfriend adam introduced scott and tinsley to each other they got on like a house on fire making out within minutes of meeting each other but things have been kind of rocky because he lives in chicago she's obviously based between new york and florida and she's on the show which seemed to be a problem for him scott even though he seemed to be perfectly fine with being on the show initially she said that he had issues with her being on the show, with them being separated and being long distance. He wasn't going to be moving to New York. She has, you know, hesitance about moving to Chicago. So we found out a few weeks ago that she, New York is actually filming now. Uh, there were rumors that Tinsley left the show basically for her relationship with Scott in the middle of filming. She moved or went off to Chicago, and as far as I know, as far as I've heard, she has not been back to New York since um, a couple days, or rather, yeah, a couple days before Thanksgiving. Um, they were in Chicago. He brought out some Christmas carolers to perform Christina's per Christina Perry's A Thousand Years, which apparently is their song. Um, do you guys still have songs in 2019 with your boyfriend or girlfriend? I, that's so, like, retro to me. 
it's cute, but it's retro. Um, so the carolers were singing the song. He gets down on one knee. You can look on her Instagram. She just posted a video of the proposal. Um, yeah, I mean, it looked pretty standard. You can't see her. You can't see a whole lot. You can't hear what he's saying, but you definitely see the classic tins. Like, oh my God, oh my God, no, no, oh my God, oh my God, no. Um, so I am happy for her, but I think a lot of us women are very concerned for Tinsley. Um, you know, it's hard to see a woman, you know, come off of a divorce and really seem emotionally defeated and really, she said she just wanted to be a wife, just wanted to be in a relationship, have that love story. And we've seen her kind of trying to find that and mostly with Scott and it not really being reciprocated. Um, last season she was miserable and they broke up. Literally she was crying at the big apple circus talking about how miserable she was while with red, rosy red cheeks, <laughs> looking like the girl from the big company, com- big comfy couch. And yeah, to see this um, turn around, I, you guys, I give it six months tops. I will be shocked if they even make it through the holiday season without at least one hiccup, one breakup. Um, I don't see them walking down the aisle. I feel really bad because at the end of the day, Tinsley does seem like a cool girl. She seems perfectly fine. And we all deserve to have love in our lives if that's what we want. Um, I just fear that she's giving up too much in order to make this happen. But I really hope that she's happy in Chicago. It's a great city. Um, yeah. What do you guys think about Tinsley? Are you excited or are we wary? It seems like we're all wary, right? But let me know. Wedding bells are ringing. Jailhouses are rocking. Love After Lockup had a action-packed double episode finale. And wow, it was worth every moment. I think it's important that we just start with the king and queen of Sacramento, Glorietta and Alex. (laughs) Um, When we left off, they had gotten into a fight at... Glorietta's side gig is at a car show. Um, So Glorietta's telling her mom about the incident. Mom is immediately suspicious that some bullshit's going on. And she thinks that there's a part of Alex's life that he's not willing to give up on. Cue to the editors. Thank you for this. We get Alex meeting up with his ex, Juliana, who they meet at a park and hang out and have this like romantic mid-90s R&B music video moment. Um, He shows her the yearbook from the year that they graduated, and they're just going through, looking at memories. And, yeah, just a a romantic little time. Um, Julia's in a talking head, and she says that, like, she's basically not going to be falling for a man who's engaged. Um, So even though she continues to entertain him and spend time with him and flirt with him and hold hands with him and make eyes with him, she's not going to be falling for anything. Okay. (laughs) So they walk, they're walking in the park. Alex starts to break out in a song. Like what? (laughs) So the lyrics of the song, should I just sing it? Okay, I'm going to sing it the way he did it. (laughs) You make me realize 
great minds think alike. Damn right. We gonna shine. (laughs) Wow. Um, David Foster, watch your back. Juliana asks if he wrote the lyrics for Glorietta. Of course he did. So really, wow. I mean, what a moment. I wish... I wish a man would sing a song that he wrote about another girl to me. Oh, my God. Um, So, (laughs) just shocking. (laughs) I'm just flabbergasted. So, we cut back to Glorietta and Tammy, her mom. Um, Tammy asks where Alex is, and she, Glorietta, thinks that she's back, that Alex, rather, is back at his best friend Kato's place. So Tammy wants to basically like roll up on him and just kind of see what's going on. And Gloria's response to this is, um, it's really just like hot outside. <laughs> so I feel like she knows what's going on. Everybody knows what's going on, but she, we're just not telling the truth here. Okay. Um, so they roll up to Kato's place of work, which Alex apparently spends his time hanging out in. Um, Dawn, who is Kato's wife, is she basically kind of like works at the front desk it's like in like an automobile shop um so she goes up to dawn and asks where alex is and she doesn't know so dawn has basically been suspicious about alex having um dealings with juliana this whole time she doesn't feel right about it she just feels very uncomfortable that glorietta doesn't know the whole truth so she offers to call alex on her phone which she does and at first he doesn't answer the phone but then he calls right back so (laughs) so basically she's like oh you know like where are you and he tells her that he is at this cafe and Don's like, well, Glorietta, your fiance, hello, was looking for you. And he was like, oh, well, that's not my girl. I, I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> so, blah, blah, blah. so Glorietta is sitting there flabbergasted in her silver eye shadow. And she goes back home. She, well, no, she's sorry. She doesn't go back home. Her mom's waiting in the car. So she goes back to, the car to tell her mom that he's at this place called the Limelight Cafe. So Tammy, Mother Tammy, just like, all right, well, let's let's roll. Like, let's do this. Tammy is quite the character. I mean, it's really no question of where Glorietta got her disturbingly high-pitched voice and antics from. So... <laughs> Glorietta's still kind of hesitant about going because she doesn't want to make a scene. Tammy's suggestion is that she goes to um, pick up a chair and knock Alex out right then and there. Um, so they, they go up and it's like classic, classic cheater style roll up on your partner. The camera is like from afar as Glorietta is approaching him and confronting him Um <laughs> the camera's like you know those fences that are like crisscross and they have these like holes in them like big holes so you can see right through them they're like little peepholes so basically the camera's doing a shot from there like a peephole shot of Alex and Glorietta confronting him as he's with Juliana at the cafe so 
It's also very funny to mention that Tammy says that Alex is the devil, and Glorieta says, I fear the devil, and I don't feel Alex, fear Alex, so Alex is not the devil. And she goes... Well, I'll tell you what, he's shaking hands with the devil and the devil's crouching at his door wishing to desire him, <laughs> which is probably true. Um, so, so basically, Glorietta's like, what are you doing? Why are you here? Juliana, don't you know that he has a fiance? And Alex goes right into it. He does not care at all. He's like, listen, we're done. Um, just like, didn't you know that I was on the other end when Don was on the phone with you and she said that, or you said that you didn't want anything to do with me and that we weren't together. So let's just finish this, Alex, if that's what you're going to say. And he's like, all right, why don't you get your ass out of here? <laughs> to which Tammy blows a gasket. She starts by saying like, you're not going to talk to my daughter that way. She throws a, she throws water and then she throws the glass and then she throws her hands <laughs> and then security gets involved and everybody has to break up. Tammy is, she is like so hype, <laughs> so excited about getting into a fight with her um, now daughters, now ex fiance. She they run back to the car to like avoid conflict and she starts to pray and <laughs> says what a psycho she is. And I think the whole world agrees. Um, Gloriana basically is, you know, I gotta say she bounces back rather quickly. Um, she, we get a scene with Juliana who is like, witnessed this whole scene and was like, this is not what I'm trying to get into. I thought that Glorietta knew that they were broken up. I had no idea that they were still engaged, but now seeing all of this go down, like I'm not with it. I don't want to be with a guy who would put me in the situation. So Juliana and Alex are done. And now Glorietta and Alex are done leaving Alex with nothing, but the two tears tattooed on the side of his mouth. Um, Glorietta says that she's still open to dating a guy in prison and that she is experienced now and she knows things. And we get a scene of Alex driving off very poetically in what looks like a white Bronco, um, talking about how they're never going to get back together. The relationship's off the table and he doesn't know what is in his future. And at the end of this, I will tell you exactly what happens in Alex's future. Um, the next couple we have is Angela and Tony. Angela. Um, Donna Faye. Pause. <laughs> Pause for that. Donna Faye is Angela's sister, and she comes to visit to meet Tony and kind of give her two cents on the whole situation, on their relationship. Um, and they are out in the yard having a nice cold glass of PBR shooting the shit with each other. I gotta say, I'm a Donna Faye stan because she immediately looks in the yard and was like, why do you have a motorcycle in the yard? And Tony's like, well, she gave it to me. And <laughs> Donna said, it must be great getting out and getting shit like this. She said, you shouldn't make his life too easy or he wouldn't know what to do with himself. And I cannot, I couldn't agree with more. Um, 
she basically clocks him right away as a scammer. She tells Angela that she's a fool for being with him because all he's going to do is play her. Um, Tony says that he's not trying to hustle Angela. And basically that in their relationship, the fact that Angela cares for him and takes care for care of him, spoils him, whatever, is just a perk. Okay, Tony. Um, cue to the next episode. Tony, Angela's in the car. Tony calls her and says, we need to talk, so come meet me at this park. Um, <clears throat> so she goes over there. She, on the way, is saying that she still has hesitations about Tony. Um, because I I can't imagine why. Probably because she's he's a liar and a multiple-time felon. And could not even stay out of prison for five minutes last time before getting in trouble. I don't know. Call me crazy. I I can't imagine any of those are the reasons, but, um, yeah, she's still got hesitations about Tony, but she goes to the park anyway to Tony who's saying that she deserves all the best for all that he's done with her. And he presents her with a display of, um, manager special priced flowers that were a mix of, mostly carnations and i think he maybe got like two or three decent sized roses out of it um and some sparkling grape juice which i checked you guys i mean you know they typically can't show the labels so they either are like block it out or just like you know angle the bottle so that you don't see it of course lover after lockup doesn't have um black duct tape production money so they had to angle the bottle <laughs> and i could tell you that for a fact that was not Martinelli's and it wasn't even Welch's you guys if Tony can't even spring for a damn Welch's sparkling apple juice okay I'm sorry he's just out of prison I gotta gotta calm down okay so Tony proposes to Angela and this I am gonna give him shit about it was the chunkiest clunkiest ring I've ever seen in my life. I can't imagine who that would be for. It was like a robot ring. The band was truly like, it had to have been at least half an inch. And it just had like a diamond stuck in, I mean, it probably wasn't a diamond. He said it was only $200. A stone that looked like a diamond stuck in the middle. It was, I'm going to have to find a picture of it, you guys. So bless them. Angela cheerses to a happy, functioning, what she calls, quote, a stay out of prison relationship. And then they each romantically take a swig out of the sparkling juice drink to seal the deal. (laughs) They then go to a bench, this like green metal bench, and they're filming Angela and Tony from behind, like a very Nicholas Sparks, you know, uh, man with a his arm over the girl's shoulder but you could tell this was a total troll because ladies you know like when we're on a lot of dresses if it's like got a slit towards the back or it's backless and there's that button at the top like towards the top of your neck (laughs) but clearly they wanted to show that Angela did not button it so it was like half of her dress was just like (laughs) folded over her, her shoulder those poor burnt skin shoulders of hers but anyway it was very romantic Angela seemed to be having the time of her life she says that this proposal really makes her feel um safe 
and protected and it really like does a whole 180 on her trust of Tony. Wow. Okay. Tony says that he feels like he's walking on a cloud. He's so excited to be engaged, but dun, dun, dun. He also feels like I have a hold on over Angela because she's so in love with me and attracted to me. I pretty much think she'd forgive me for everything. (laughs) And production spends, I guess they spent that black duct tape money on this scene where they have the drone um, fly out, you know, open, what do you call it? Like, you know, it flies out to pan out on the park and Tony and Angela holding hands, but is playing this like haunting Dun, 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 like ominous music <laughs> at the same time. It was so very good. Um, in the next scene with them, we have Angela squeezing out um, some Miracle Whip, tubed Miracle Whip, and making turkey sandwiches for Tony, who is about to go to um, therapy. Keep that in mind. So Tony, I guess we need to pack a lunch of several sandwiches. It seemed like he had three sandwiches on top of like a sack of something and a drink. I didn't know that you were allowed to eat that much during therapy. That's question number one. Um, Let's keep in mind also that um, Angela is a therapist. So the things that happen after this seem very questionable to me, but um, she asks him before he goes like, Oh, what are you going to be talking about in therapy? And he's like, it's confidential baby. And she's like, Oh, okay. Bye. I love you. And then Tony goes to therapy. So he is the cameraman riding with him. And he says, Oh, you know, like I just need to make a stop. I just need to make a quick stop at a hotel to see some friends, something that somebody who's not a former drug addict, drug addict and is not sketchy at all says all the time. So he stops at the America's Best Inn, I think that's what it's called, and goes into a motel room. Before that, he tells production that they cannot come inside. <laughs> he said they frown upon cameras or something like that. Like it was a security issue um, and not just like people getting fucked up in a motel room. But okay. Um how is it that Tony had transferred from California to Mississippi? I guess maybe these were his halfway house friends. I can't, I just don't know how, if he transferred during his prison stay, then how does he know all these people? Maybe they are from the halfway house, but anyway, it basically ends on, um, like a, Gosh, like a security camera shot of the parking lot of the motel. And we now keep in mind that Tony still has his mic on, I guess. So that's what they have us believe. So he gets a call from Angela and is like, oh, hold on. This is Angela, like has this conversation. Angela's like, oh, baby, how's therapy? He's like, oh, it's great. Going well. Like, I'll, you know, I'll talk to you when I get home. She's like, okay, love you. Now, as a therapist, wouldn't you know that you typically can't call people during therapy and expect them to pick up and just be like, Oh, things are going great. 
talk to you later, baby. <laughs> like, what? I think this was a, a, a big mistake on production's um, end. But they're basically just making it seem like Tony's off being sketchy again. And he's like, he also mentioned earlier that he, you know, that being with Angela was tough because he has his addictions and while he has been going to therapy to work on that stuff and that he feels better about his addictions that he's basically just traded his substance abuse for other things and so we're alluding to him possibly fooling around or cheating um but it's basically a cliffhanger um so then that's basically it for Angela and Tony this season. Um, we did find out that Love After Lockup is going to be doing season two of its spinoff, Life After Lockup, which premieres January 3rd. Angela and Tony will be one of those couples, as well as Andrea, the Black Mormon, and her man. Um, oh my gosh, who else was on it? Clinton Tracy. Oh, um... I think I heard that, excuse me, Marcelino was going to be back, but I didn't see them in the preview. So I don't know. And also we're getting Lacey, Shane, and John, who is our next couple. And here we go. Two episodes ago, Lacey tells us that she gave John the paternity test that they got the results back and she's waiting to get to John in order to like read them together. Lacey's dad has a beach house. So they're at the beach house. The kids are out on the beach. And so he, John comes out to see the kids and get the results. Um, Her dad thinks that's crazy. And I agree. It seems like Lacey cannot help but be dramatic and to put herself in this, in these heightened situations. And that's exactly what happens next. So John comes over and things are fine at the beginning. He goes to say hi to the kids and clearly Lacey's dad is a drinker, a heavy drinker. So for some reason he asks John how he feels about Lacey getting married in a few days. Clearly (laughs) anybody would know that it's a a dick move to ask the person that just got dumped, how they feel about their partner getting engaged or getting married. Obviously they don't feel great about it, dude. So things get weird and things escalate very quickly. John starts dropping the F-bomb in front of the kids and like, it fucking sucks, like blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they start saying, you know, don't cuss in front of the kids. So Lacey tries to separate John from the situation. And as they walk away, John insults Lacey's father. Um, So Lacey then slaps him and then things get really dark. Um, John is basically like, if you put your hands on me again. I'm going to knock you the fuck out. And it's just really like an upsetting thing for children to have to be witness to, especially when one of those kids may or may not be your biological kid. And the whole only reason why you're over here is to find out whether or not that's the case. 
But Lacey finally makes a good decision. She tells the kids to get their things and to go back into the condo. She separates herself from the situation. She makes John stay there and says, you know, like tells the crew, like, we're not filming right now. I'm not going to do this. You know, we need to be safe and be inside. Which I think was a very smart thing to do. Um, So then we have the scene where Lacey goes back home to Shane and she explains what happens on the beach and he gets very upset and... But he also says that while he's upset that he basically, you know, is committed to this relationship. And while he doesn't want John to be Marlo's father, that he's committed to the children, he's committed to this family, he's going to raise the kids as his own. And that's that. And I got to say, Shane, while he's completely not my type in any way, starting with the felony, ending with the double eye piercings and the puka shell necklaces, um, I find him to be a fairly reasonable guy for as particularly for a 20 year old, 21 year old guy who just got out of jail and has spent, you know, basically his college years in prison. Um so Lacey still hasn't gotten the results or she still hasn't read the results back rather. And they find out that John is God bless, not the father. This somehow turns into a romantic moment between Lacey and Shane and they toast over some Sprite and 99 bananas like you do. Um, next we find them getting ready for the wedding. Shane is already ready. They're at the venue and they're doing their, you know, you, you know, backstage men having drinks thing. Lacey's dad is lit. <laughs> Shane is like already in his suit, in his white tux, um, with the black trim. And Lacey's dad is completely sweating nobody else's they're indoors like i understand it's virginia beach but he's the only one sweating by quite a bit like to the point where his hair is like soaked and he's like oh you ready i'm excited about this wedding like i hope john doesn't show up and they all talk about whether or not they think John will show up and Shane says that he doesn't think that he's going to have to do anything that his friends will step in if John were to show up. And basically then we get the scene of again, again, Lacey is decked out, full hair and makeup, full dress. She's got the bouquet in her hand. She's literally about to walk down the aisle. And of course, she takes this time to call John (laughs) to tell him about the uh, results of the paternity test. And then she's like, well, I'm sorry about all of this. By the way, I'm about to walk down the aisle. <laughs> like, she, this girl is addicted to chaos. Like, why on earth would you do that? You couldn't take time at any point between... You couldn't send a text. You had to do this as you're going... Oh, God, this girl. Okay, so... <laughs> 
John says he's going to show up and tell her, like, what a mistake she's making. And Lacey just hangs up the phone. Then um, we say John says that he's sad about the situation. And what also does he say, you guys? Throw carryover from 90 Day Fiance. He says that he's frustrated. (laughs) My favorite word. Um, Then we get this interstitial. That was like the most awful thing I've ever seen in my life where John and Lacey are on the bed. It's the day before their wedding day and they're on the bed. They're both in their underwear. John's on his back while Lacey's straddling him and they're like flirting and being gross. So then John (laughs) immediately just takes off his boxer briefs and exposes his... I don't know if you, what you call it a farmer's tan on your no-no parts, but that's what we saw. His pasty white ass just, <laughs> oh God. So then Lacey tells us that even though they have had sex before, she wanted to make their wedding day special. So I guess she wants to just give him blue balls and then walk away. She's like, I'm going to go away to make your favorite spaghetti. Well, John is literally like mooning ass to the camera, back to the camera, his legs open enough that he can clearly see he's looking at his penis and he's just like, he's clearly looking at his boner. (laughs) Well, The cameras are there, like, watching his boner goes down while his betrothed goes to make his, quote, favorite spaghetti, which I have a feeling is basically just like, I mean, it's Chef Boyardee, it's gotta be, right? Oh, God, just help us all. So anyway, we're back to the beach, finally, to get married. It's exactly the wedding that you would expect. There's a little girl putting petals wherever the fuck she feels like it. Out of the three groomsmen, one of them, even though the other ones are in full tuxes, one of them's just wearing, like, a a black shirt and jeans and mountain boots. (laughs) And um, most of the people in the audience had either pink or purple hair, which was actually pretty tight. But other than that, um, they exchange vows, and as they're exchanging vows, we see John driving up to the beach in his white CRV, which is a very um, interesting car choice for a former felon turned AC repairman. Um, He is hitting the jewel pretty hard in his car. And he basically just says that even though he wanted to do something that he wasn't going to, that it was like worth more trouble. It was more trouble than it's worth. And that yeah that basically he still has hope for the situation and that he gives Lacey and John just a month basically congratulations to you guys wow what a what a season all right guys Cheryl and Josh are next sister Lacey Cheryl's sister left and she is remember the um 
she works in a prison as like a security guard. She thinks that basically Cheryl just needs to open her eyes and realize that John is not her Prince Charming, that she doesn't necessarily dislike him, but she just doesn't think that he brings a lot to the table, especially since he owes almost a hundred grand in restitution. I have to agree. (laughs) Um, And Josh is having breakfast with his mom at the same time and breaks the news that he's going to propose to Cheryl while his mom looks like she could truly stab him in the eyes with her frosted pink nail polish. She hates Lacey. Lacey? No. (laughs) She hates Cheryl. She thinks that he, she is lazy and does not have a personality. (laughs) Um, so she also says that she would not come to the wedding so that was pretty much it for the first episode they didn't really bring a lot in the finale i'm gonna be honest um in the next episode josh is taking cheryl and by that i mean he's making cheryl drive while he takes her to this undisclosed location which ends up being this like castle question mark (laughs) it's a castle in the sense that it looks like a castle and that's about it and it's like halfway under construction but he takes her to do a tour he kind of surprises her with a tour of the castle in terms of them using it as a wedding venue um so she you know they show her around and it's like fine it's certainly not the worst thing it's definitely pretty high class in terms of this show and wedding venues that's for sure um but cheryl doesn't really like it she says that her sister got married in a castle that was much bigger and that it was you know not the same that it was just basically like a lot classier she said you know that this i mean she really wasn't like overly rude about it she's just like yeah this really isn't my vibe and like you could tell she kind of didn't appreciate being like put on the spot and surprised with a wedding venue even though i mean i guess it's kind of romantic in the sense that like it's a man showing some sort of like commitment and desire to move forward but she wasn't into it and that is entirely her right um (laughs) so they're having this conversation in front of the people who are showing the wedding venue and cheryl was like you know kind of politely like oh this really isn't my thing and I have kids and there are a lot of stairs and a lot of things that they could fall off of and it just isn't really very safe and so Josh says in front of everybody that he was going to propose to her but like fuck it and just dumps her right in then and there in front of the wedding venue people <laughs> so Josh is 12 I think this is like the big reveal in their relationship is that Josh is 12. This castle has like uh, an in construction dragon on top of like one of the turrets, I guess, of the quote unquote castle. He tries to take a selfie of it. He's like climbing the stairs, touring the castle, having a great time. Basically, he's like, I thought the Cheryl was going to be awesome, but she's not. She like doesn't deserve a castle like this. Okay, bro. Um, So she basically takes off. And by that, I mean, she goes down to her car to like smoke some Newports. And 
she just says like I you know like I don't know why he would do something like this to me and why would he say that he it was either going to be like I'm either going to propose to you or dump you like that shouldn't be (laughs) the either or in this situation um but I have to give it up to Cheryl for standing her ground and saying you know I'm not going to be getting married in this elevated medieval times and I couldn't I agree with her I agree with her. Cheryl says that she was hoping for the best and that even Bonnie and Clyde fought. Now, riddle me this. Does anybody who compares themselves to Bonnie and Clyde and compares their relationships to Bonnie and Clyde actually know what happened? Because I feel like they wouldn't be saying this if... (laughs) If that's how they felt. It is wild. But I appreciate her um, ending her scene with a little bit of levity. Because, yeah, I'm sure they did fight. And you know what? They also got their bodies blown up by bullets. (laughs) So if that's what you want, Cheryl, then God bless to you. Next, we have Amber and Vince. We are our nine days out. So some of these people, like, I think I've been saying this, like, Amber and Vince's story evolved incredibly quickly like most of these people are like one and two months out of prison but we're only nine days out of prison for amber um she meets vince at a gym and on the way there she tells us that basically again that the plan was to marry vince get his money get access to his bank accounts and use that as a nest egg for her and puppy and her mom when they got out of jail in a couple months but she has since had a change of heart since going to Indiana for her family reunion and having this talk with her brother and sister. And she really wants to do the right thing now. So once she gets to the gym, she tells Amber, she, she tells Vince that she needs that they basically like need space and a break to think about things. And Vince honestly wakes up from his sleepy time tea slash Xanax slash, whatever the fuck special and actually has like a moment of levity here and says, if you guys, if you want to take a hold, take a pause on the engagement, that's fine. I understand that like, maybe I could have rushed that, but if what you're doing is to give yourself time in order to figure out if you're going to be attracted to me, I don't really see the point in that. That's not really something that like you think about and something that develops, like you're kind of, either into me or not, which is a very astute point to make. So at that point, he, they basically just break up. But when we also find that, that like, this is mostly just about sex for Vince. Like it's not so much that they're not getting along on an intellectual level, on an emotional level. Like Vince just wants to be, <laughs> And this is what all of this is about for him. Um, yeah. And he, he says he wants to like find a solution to that situation, which isn't going to happen. Amber says he's trying to con a convict. And if he wants to tell the truth about his motivations for being with me, then I will tell him my motivations for being with him, i.e. trying to get access to your money in order to steal it from you. But if he's not going to do that, then like, she's just going to like keep it to we're not, I'm not attracted to you. This isn't going to work. 
He asks if they should stop communicating and she says yes. And he calls this a brutal blessing and drives off into the sunset and away from Georgia. And that's basically it. We get Amber a little bit at the end of the finale finale when which Puppy calls and Amber tells her that the jig is up. Her time with Vince is over. She couldn't do it. And that Vince is no longer the key to the future and that she wants to do the right thing. And yeah, Puppy totally agrees. She's very supportive. And it's just like, you know, you do what you got to do. And we find out that Puppy's got two more months until she's out of jail. So we'll see what happens with Amber. Next, we have Lizzie and Daniel, and they're our last couple for the season. Um, Lizzie is going wedding dress shopping and tells us that they're planning on getting married in about a month. She finds a dress that she really likes, which was ugly, but she's kind of hemming and hawing about it because it's $700 and that's a little out of her price range. Um, her sister there is there and her name is Shasta, which I'm I'm obsessed with. (laughs) Shasta is skeptical about Daniel and his involvement in the relationship in the wedding, because, um, even though he got a full-time job, he has yet to contribute to any of the wedding costs or anything like that. Um, then we cue to Daniel, who's with a friend and they are strapping a shopping cart without wheels so just a trolley onto the top of the car for no explained reason whatsoever <laughs> um daniel has daniel and his friend who i think he said his name was daryl like with a d at the end it doesn't matter they look so high And they're on their way to, with this car, with the shopping cart, rigged to the top of it. They're on their way to Daniel's house, Daniel's aunt's house, rather, to look at a car that she wants to sell and that he's looking to purchase. He said that this has been, like, a car that he has really wanted. It was, like, the car that he wanted prior to um, him going to jail. This is, like, like, a really big goal that he's able to make right now to be able to buy the car. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. So we get to his aunt's house, and I'm thinking it's like a classic car because Daniel's like... He's working at an auto body shop. This he's really loves to work on cars. I'm thinking this is like 
a cool car. <laughs> it's a blue Subaru, <laughs> which like I have lived in New York for almost 10 years. I don't drive. I mean, I can drive. I don't have a car, but, um, I just didn't know that like in the 10 years that I've been out of the car game, have Subarus like come up as like the, the choice car for, for guys that are into cars. I didn't think so. I thought this was more of like a housewife, thing like a pacific northwest situation although i think they do live in washington so maybe maybe that's what the maybe that's what that is um so the car is seventy five hundred dollars she is going to they have an agreement that he's going to give her two thousand up front and they were going to work with the bank on a payment plan and she lets us know that she is very serious about this arrangement and really wants Daniel to be because when he was in his meth days prior to his jail sentence, he actually stole her husband's boat and sold it. So she really wants to make sure that she's actually recouping some funds with this guy at some point. That was a big trust leap, leap of faith on her part, but good, good on her for doing it. Um, so basically he tells us that he and Lizzie are not on the same timeline. I feel like we're missing a lot of things because it kind of seemed like they were very happy. And now all of a sudden Daniel's totally flipping the script. He says they're not on the same timeline for the wedding. And even though she thinks they're getting married in a month, he says that her wedding plans are a fantasy that she wants to have this like $10,000 wedding. And that that's just not going to happen. That he is super super focused on his sobriety and that working and working on cars and like all of that is like helping him with that and he is not trying to mess that up that is an extremely fair point however you just put a ring on this girl's finger and if she thinks she's getting married in a month there's a reason for that (laughs) And I think that needs to be worked out. Um, So the next season, next episode, rather, Lizzie comes home. She says she's going to take Daniel to do some wedding stuff. And he's in the parking lot, I guess, (laughs) the driveway. And his car is there. So she's like, Daniel, what the fuck is that? He's like, oh, well, it's my new car. And basically, it's just like, well... The car, I bought this car for my sobriety and that the wedding is something that they need to take a break on. Lizzie breaks up with him on the spot. (laughs) She is not having it. He asks for the ring back and she says that his mom can ask her for the ring back because she's the one that paid for it. And when she does, she's still going to say no, (laughs) which was the only time I ever liked Lizzie this whole season. It was a really mean thing to say, but I, I thought it was iconic. (laughs) Um, Daniel has lost a good amount of weight and they cue to his hands, which are shaking as a former meth addict. Like, I don't really know much about meth, but weight loss and shaking tremors seem to be like a pretty good indication of being on drugs again. He said that he has anxiety, so it could be that. And the weight loss could be attributed to that as well. But I don't know. He was also acting pretty erratic for me. Um, So he basically goes back into the house. And then shit really starts turning up. 
Lizzie's doing like a a post breakup interview in the street across the street from where Daniel lives. So Teresa, Daniel's mother, comes stomping out of the house in her flip flops to um, go up to Lizzie, and they pretty much break the fourth wall because, like, you see them pan out. You can see the lights, you can see the boom mic, you can see people in production. And she's like, puts her hand out and is like, give me my ring back. (laughs) And Lizzie was like, I'm absolutely not going to give you this ring back. And they go back and forth. And yeah, I mean, Lizzie basically walks away and says she's not going to do it. And Teresa's like, over it. Flips out. Okay, so Lizzie tells her that she is like, oh, well, take me to court. She's like, why am I going to take you to court for $200 ring? She's like, exactly. That's why I'm going to keep the ring. (laughs) So then she says that the last three years were a waste of her life. And I would just like to say to you, Lizzie, welcome to your 20s. (laughs) Um, That is it for the couples. We get a um, updates on all of them. So I'll just go through those quickly. Glorietta has found herself back with her ex. Alex was arrested for multiple felonies, so he is once again back in the system. Lizzie still has four years to graduate from college, despite having been in college for two to three years already now. And Daniel has a new girlfriend that Mother Teresa actually adores and loves. Cheryl and Josh got back together shortly after filming, so they are still together as far as I know. Tony and Angela are planning their wedding. Lacey and Shane are still happily married and working on expanding a family. And John has yet to give hope on them getting back together, I guess. Good luck with that. And who else? Oh, Amber is now working at a restaurant and waiting on puppy and her mom to get out of prison. And Vince is actually talking to a woman in the Philippines and is looking to visit her soon. Probably also hoping for a spot on 90 day fiance, which I am here for. Vince was a freaking weirdo, but I would love to see him sweating on my television again. And y'all that is the finale of love after lockup. Well, since I'm coming to you guys a little bit later today, I'm able to give you an up-to-date 90-day fiancé recap. Uh, I'm going to start with Natalie and Mike because they are boring. (laughs) Um, They are, you know, they are like the first day of Mike being in Ukraine. They're having breakfast of tomatoes and eggs. And um, Natalie basically is just like reinforcing the fact that she wants a baby and she wants it now. Okay. Um, she's 35 and she's like trying to have a baby, like literally, like she wants to be inseminated right at this moment and she's not willing to wait. She wants to have a baby. Like she doesn't care about whether or not Mike is going to be there for long for the process. They still don't know how long her visa is going to be delayed. And she's like, whatever, I've got my mom here. Like she can help me while I'm pregnant. And then, you know, if we got to wait six months then I'll just be six months pregnant by the time I get to America. And Mike is like, 
again, hesitating to tell her the truth, which is that he is in dire straits financially because of trying to get her to America and other financial things, that he, mistakes that he's made. And he just keeps saying like, oh, you know, like I really don't really want a baby right now. Like, let's wait, blah, blah, blah. But then he kind of, I don't know, he folds and it's like, you know, like we'll do it as soon as possible. He does say like, I, you know, if we are going to have a baby, like I want to be there long for the process. I want to go to all the doctor's appointments. I want to, I don't want you to be like halfway around the world and having to do Skype to find out what, if I'm having a boy or girl. Um, so a good save on his end, but I don't think it's really going to last for very long because Natalie was like, that is the wrong answer. <laughs> um, and yeah, she just, she keeps asking what the problem is and he keeps being evasive about his finances. Um, and here, here we go. Here we go. So then they go to meet, uh, one of Natalie's friends, Svetlana, who is basically like a blonde Lisa Loeb. Um, she is pretty straightforward and asks uh, Mike all the tough questions. She asks like, you know, she says straight up, Natalie's heart's been broken before by her ex-husband, and I'm concerned about that happening again. So, like, what are your intentions? And he says that he lays it on pretty thick and is, like, pretty corny. Like, oh, we're going to patch her heart all up. Like, very lame. But he passes the Svetlana test. She does also ask him about his... Uh, religious beliefs and whether or not he wants to have a baby. Um, he says that he wants to have a baby and that they had a conversation, he and Natalie about it. And that the plan is to have it as soon as possible. And in terms of his religious beliefs, he goes on to say that he's basically an atheist, but well, sort of that he doesn't believe in God and he believes all that's kind of stupid, but he does believe in uh, what he refers to as a higher civilization and by that he means aliens and he basically thinks that like every you know religious thing historical religious facts basically you know like angels coming from the sky and and things like that are basically all aliens and that people back then were interpreting it as gods angels clouds that are moving things like that um but Natalie, however, is really religious, Christian, believes in God, and she knew how Mike felt about that. And Mike said that he basically, you know, basically just like, don't yuck my yum. I respect the fact that she has these beliefs. I, you know, as long as she respects me. And Svetlana asks, like, oh, well, do you think... He also, Mike said that he had never been to church before. And Svetlana was like, well, well, maybe if, um, you know, Natalie talks to you more about religion, maybe you'll change your mind. He's like, well, maybe I will, but, you know, we'll see. Um, And then that was pretty much it. They go... There's, like, a very weird scene where the next day they go running. And they're running around the square and... Sports and athleticism is very important to Natalie. Um, Mike is, you know, coming off of a weight loss journey, but he's not athletic, so to speak. So she's teaching him, like, the basics about running. And he asks if she and her husband, ex-husband, went running. And she kind of, like, loses it. And she thinks it's very inappropriate for him to ask that. She's like, 
I, basically, I think what she's trying to say is, like, I'm not trying to, like, you're not, like, a replacement, the direct replacement for my husband because we had our issues. And said, this is a totally new relationship. What I had with my ex was different. Um, and, you know, he did have a lot of great qualities and we did have a lot of things in common. However, I really wanted to have kids and the kids conversation kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed until I just realized that this was not the connection that we, I thought that we had and that we once had. So I had to go just like, and it was, you know, a, a hard decision, but it, I don't regret it. So I, I think Natalie and Mike are an interesting couple. Would I hang out with either one of them? Probably more so Natalie, definitely more so Natalie than Mike. Um, I think Natalie is a firecracker. I think she's an interesting woman. I think she's too interesting to be with a guy like Mike. I think she can upgrade, honestly. But um, and she's gorgeous. She's so pretty. Um, but... Yeah, I, I'm interested in seeing what happens with them in the future. I think it could be a happy ending. If really what she wants is a family, then she can have as many kids as she can with Uncle Bojangles taking care of all of them in that shed. So, mazel to them. Next, we have Anna and Marcel, and things are getting worse and worse with them. They are now pretty much completely still, I mean, Marcel's been in the country for a few weeks and I don't want to shade him for not knowing a lot about the English language. I mean, it's the hardest one to learn, but I think he's being a little bit evasive and that comes up later. So they're like individually working on wedding favors. Anna's working on this like just like a honey jar wedding favors. And Marcel is, has been tasked with making a, um, oh my gosh, what do you call it? <laughs> what are the things that the people stand under when they get married? God, you can tell how desperately an altar, how desperately single I am. Okay. So the, Marcel is making an altar that's shaped like a honeycomb. Um, Marcel comes in inside to say that he's done and they go and check out, check it out. And it looks pretty basic. Anna doesn't seem happy with it, but what she's least happy with is her situation with Marcel. So she asks him, and by that, I mean the app, um, how he's feeling about the wedding. And he says that he's nervous mostly about her two oldest sons, Joey and Gino. He overheard them saying that Marcel was stupid and he just is not feeling their relationship with them. Anna asks him if he wants to talk with them about it and he says no. And I agree. I think that when it comes to this situation, like you, Anna, need to be making sure that your kids are as comfortable as possible. And what is not going to make them comfortable is having this strange dude who barely speaks English to try to have like a heart to heart with them when they clearly have no bones about calling him stupid to their, to his face. I think Anna is like really farming off all of the responsibilities. And I think she's making wrong decisions at every turn. I don't understand why she is not letting her kids in more, why she's repeatedly making Marcel do these things. I think she just knows how angry they are and doesn't want to be like the bad guy, but like 
she's making him the bad guy, which isn't making anybody's situation any better. And I don't understand why she doesn't see that. See that. Um, she continues to get mad at Marcel and she has a point to do that. Um, Anna says that they need to work on communicating and in a talking head, Marcel tells us that basically like he just says yes or no. Like he basically that he knows more than what he's letting on, but he'll just answer yes or no in order to avoid conflict and avoiding having these big conversations. But like, I mean, obviously this is something that you would learn if you guys both spoke the same language that maybe your actual, I mean, people think that because you guys speak the same language, literally that you speak it in the emotional sense, in the psychological sense. And I think a lot of people just expect like, oh, once they learn my language then everything will be fine. Um, And then you find out who this person really is and then you're over there looking stupid. Um, but yeah, and it continues to get really frustrated about communicating. Then it gets into the most frustrating. Like they both pull their phones out. They're both doing this, like who's on first conversation about what it is that they're talking about. Marcel keeps bringing up the boys and Anna says, I'm not trying to talk to you about the boys. I'm trying to talk to you about our relationship and our lack of communication. And Marcel, it just gets to the point where he just like straight up laughs at her. And it's just like, yes, (laughs) just laughs. And Anna stomps off back into the house because she's just so annoyed with the fact that she can't communicate with him. Um, then that's basically the end of what we see of Marcel for the episode. Annie, or excuse me, Anna goes to this wedding dress store to go shopping with her friend Vivi, who held the couple's shower for her last week. And <laughs> Anna, I mean, much like all of Anna's choices, her dress situation was poor. Um, I mean, granted she does have a lot of restrictions because Marcel is Muslim. She's saying that she's trying to respect his, you know, his religion. She said, if he had his way that I would be covered from the neck down and even like down to my wrists, down to my ankles. But she's like, I'm in America. I'm not Muslim. And I want to have a dress that I feel good about. And I think that's fair. I think it's a fair compromise. So she started out by wanting, by trying on this dress that truly, I mean, Anna is not like a huge girl. She's a bigger girl. She's not that big. Um, This poor dress made her look like a linebacker. I mean, like truly SpongeBob square dress. And I, yeah, the first one was hideous. And I think if you guys saw it, you'll all agree. The second one was also hideous, but it was better. (laughs) This one, she went with like a strapless gown that had like lace in the front and like, you know, the bling right at the waist, um, which I don't think people are doing anymore. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but well, I guess they're still doing it in Nebraska, but, um, yeah, the other the next dress was fine, and you know you know it's going to be a little bit taboo because it's strapless, which is you know not going to be Marcel's taste. Um, and Vivi, you know, starts to ask about like, how are you feeling about the wedding? How are you feeling about the marriage? And she's like, Anna's like, oh, I'm fine. 
everything's great. I know that he's my soulmate. And then she just starts crying and is like, things aren't as good as I thought they would be. And she finally tells the truth. And it's just like, I want to feel bad for her because I think in on the show, there's always a person who's like the villain and the person that you feel for, you empathize with. But in this case, I don't, I'm not feeling it for either of them. I think they both suck, but we'll see. Um, Okay, our next couple is going to be Robert and Annie. To the surprise of no one, they're still arguing. (laughs) So they decide to head to the gym to go and meet a personal boxing trainer. I guess Robert has the funds for that, and he probably saw it on a Groupon, let's be honest. But um, yeah, they go and meet this gorgeous guy. He's a boxing trainer. His name is Miguel. He's so hot and he seems very chill. If anybody has access to Miguel's IG, I'm going to hit them DMs. He was good looking, good looking enough to make me go down to Orlando. We'll put it that way. Um, so they basically like Robert goes into the saying like, oh, I hope that Annie doesn't tell him all the stuff because Miguel speaks Spanish. Robert does not. And he's like, I just hope that she doesn't like tell all our secrets. And then he basically tells all the secrets in English. So there goes that. I think he was trying to get ahead of the situation, but he tells them all about their situation and Annie mentions the Facebook photos and how he still has photos of his exes. And Robert explains like, Oh, I'm trying to keep the Facebook pictures up for my kids because you know, they, if they want to see them in the future, I want them to be able to do that. So I'm not going to delete them. And Annie's like, yeah, but you've also just got pictures of you and your exes, like just making out. And there aren't pictures of them, you know, like they're romantic relationship pictures. And I, I mean, I get it, I guess, but it's also like not worth a three day conversation, a three day argument. I don't think, um, so it's also worth mentioning that Robert tries to make it seem like, Oh, this is so not a big deal. So not a big deal. But Annie, as soon as Annie said, well, maybe I'll put my pictures of my exes up and he's like oh well if you do that then you can tell them to pick your ass up and take you back to the dominican so you know i think pot meet the kettle robert hello dumbass um robert then goes to meet up with stephanie and ben his porn star um bryson's grandma and grandpa diamond fox and he wants to confront them about Stephanie asking Annie about whether or not she was on birth control. And I thought they had a pretty mature conversation. She's, I mean, Stephanie did say like, I wish I felt bad, but I don't. She's like, it affects my life and it affects Bryson. And I just want to make sure that they're making the right decisions. And I get that to a point. I don't know. I mean, how do you guys feel about grandparents' rights and their, input into their grandkids you know lives I mean I it obviously depends on their relationship but it seems like with Stephanie and Ben that they see him on the weekends and it's probably just like hey fun time we're going to the park or like oh let me get you some pizza like it seems like a more typical standard grandparent grandchild relationship and I just don't know if like that warrants you asking (laughs) about whether or not his 
you know, Robert plans on having more kids in the future. And she actually agrees that that's, you know, a fair point. Um, they patch it up and Ben asks Robert about, you know, like Annie's relationship with Bryson. And he says, well, he asks about their relationship and Robert pretty much centers the whole conversation around Annie's relationship with Bryson, how she takes him to school in the morning. She gets him up, blah, blah, blah. She does this and that, and that they love each other. And Ben is like, I just want you to know that when you talk about Annie, you kind of just refer to her in terms of what she does for you and what she does for Bryson. And so I just want you to be cognizant of the fact that she kind of sounds like a maid and not like a romantic relationship that you're trying to have. And Robert gets offended, but I kind of see his point. Like, he's like, you know, this chick came out of nowhere. We never heard about her. And then all of a sudden she's taking care of Bryson and that's all you can talk about. Then I have concerns about that. And that, that is fair. Um, but Robert's like offended and is like, you know, I, I do love her and I would not have her around if I, that was not the case. They ask about coming to the wedding and Robert's like, you know, I think we, need to have a conversation with Annie and bury the hatchet between Stephanie and Annie. And at that point, that's up to her to decide whether or not she wants to have you guys. And that was the end of Robert and Annie for this week. Next, we have Michael and Juliana. Oh, gosh. They go to... They're, you know, they're going to the furniture store to get some furniture for the new house that they're about to move in. It's a place called Lillian August. Seems like a very upscale store. They're having a good time looking around. Juliana spots a like a decorative sea sponge. It's like under a glass dome on a coffee table. And she goes, oh, what is this? And Michael says, Michael says, oh, I think it's like a sea sponge. She said, have you ever seen one? She's like, oh, yeah, I I do that. I've seen um, Bob Sponge on TV. <laughs> SpongeBob. I, I mean, if that is not an indication of their age difference, it was just, I mean, Juliana and Fun Buns talking about Bob Sponge and how she's seen him on TV. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bless her. Um, they spot this like blue kind of ink stained artsy style sectional couch that Juliana really ends up liking, but it's $14,000, which Michael says is a little bit too much. Juliana doesn't really fight him on it too much. Um, and he does say that, you know, it's like, I have made a lot of money and I do, you know, I, I'm a man of means, but I'm not one who spends frivolously. And, then we find out that Michael had cut out the credit cards for Juliana. Um, a couple episodes ago, or maybe like the first or second episode, we find out that Juliana had bought a car like a couple weeks before she moved to America, which Michael found, and I think we all found, very questionable. Um, the producer asks if they had discussed finances before, and he said no, and he brings up her buying the car on his credit card again, um, and Juliana kind of tells on herself and basically said, I didn't think that the visa was going to work out because I had issues with it before, and I was basically trying to make a life for myself in Brazil. Like, I 
was taking care of myself. And I'm like, God bless. Get money, bitch, you know? Um, then Michael was like, okay, well, what is with the car? Like, is it just sitting there in Brazil? And <laughs> then Juliana Hicks hits him with the okie doke and says that her sister is now using it basically as like a Lyft or an Uber, some sort of cab in Brazil. And we could tell that that really pissed Michael off. And he, he, he was starting to see the cracks a bit. Um, then the next time we have its moving day, we see my prince and princess, Cece and Max. And they're talking about like all the changes that have been going on since Juliana's been there. She's basically only been there a week. And she said, you know, in the span of a week, we got this new basically stepmom and we're moving into another house um michael after the divorce bought or rented a two-bedroom condo so he was waiting on juliana to like you know buy a house god i hope they're not planning on having children (laughs) but they we see the house and it's pretty cute it's like a split level it's all wood juliana's just like shocked and amazed at the difference between you know like everything um she said the house is huge said that they would never make houses made out of wood in brazil because of termite termites and they go into the master bedroom which is like a pretty sizable room and juliana says that it's like as big as her whole house where she grew up and that they didn't have walls in the house because they couldn't really afford it and how She's like, I understand that moving day is like a big thing in America, but I'm used to moving all the time because when you can't afford to pay the rent, then you just have to get up and go. And we really tap into like just how poor Juliana was in Brazil. Um, And you can tell she's like kind of overwhelmed with the size. She says like, it's going to take me a week to clean this house. And yeah, it's just, it's very interesting. A producer asks her, um, what her family would think about the house that she lived in. And she basically says that like, she tries not to really let them in too much because she doesn't want them to see her. She doesn't want them to, she doesn't want to stress them out more being in such bad shape in Brazil. And then seeing her basically like, thriving and doing so well she's like i wish that i could do that for all of them but i'm not you know she's not in the position to do so it was really actually pretty sad um yeah it it really it really made me feel that it was kind of a bummer but i spoke too soon because there's no bigger bummer of a relationship than emily and sasha Yikes, you guys. Wow. Um, They start off by seeing, we didn't see them last, um, excuse me, we didn't see them last episode, but they start off this episode by leaving the hospital and we basically see just kind of like a flash forward, I guess you'd call it, of like the months of baby David's life. It's like the first few months of them. They're still in Russia. Um, Emily seems very happy to be a mother um, in love with David, David, who is a chunk of a child. That is a big baby. Um, basically we're three months in and 
they stop by having Emily say that there have been issues with David's passport. So I guess you have to get a, I'm sorry, I just totally burped. I'm so sorry. I guess you have to, um, uh, David would have to get both a Russian and U S passport and able to, in order to, um, live in America. And in addition to that, obviously Sasha needed his K one visa in order for them to all go as a family and get married. So Emily had taken care of David's American passport, but Sasha had dropped the ball on the Russian one. So three months in, there's a delay. And so now Sasha is basically six, sorry, now baby David is six months to the, day and then they are finally able everything all the paperwork's together they're finally able to move to america emily is thrilled um she had no intention of being in america that long i think she thought that basically like as soon as i'm up and feeling better like we're getting out of here and now she's been there six months um she also says that like she's really ready to move to america because Wow, ladies and gentlemen, we're about to meet the real Sasha. <laughs> Turns out, Sasha's not that great of a father. She says that he works very long hours, which, okay, I will give you credit for that. She says that typically he's gone from 5.30 in the morning until 11 p.m., probably working out baby num- baby mama number four. But, you know, I'm not going to burst your bubble, Emily. Um And she also says that, like, the other reason why she was staying in Russia for so long was because she was hoping that uh, Sasha would be an active parent, but that he basically only spends about five hours with David a week. When we do see him with David, he has stuck David in a baby seat that is too small for him. And he's laying kicked back you know, on the couch with his iPad and Emily comes back, comes into the living room and is like, you have to talk to the baby. You have to be an active parent. Like speak to him, speak to him in Russian. Um, he's like, why would I speak to him in Russian? Like he, he's not going to be able to understand me. She's like, yes, he will. It's like the earlier that you start speaking to him, the better. And it's just, it's just very awkward and very sad. Um, Sasha then, really tells on himself by saying that Emily's basically um excuse me that Emily's basically a nag and he's she he's like she's kind of turning into my ex-wives like <laughs> basically that they always found something to complain about with him and that like nothing he did was ever good enough he really is not seeing um that hey maybe the common denominator is me. You know, how many babies is it going to take for you to figure out that maybe you're the problem, Sasha? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was about to say Arrivederci, but that's not Russian. Anyway, goodbye. (laughs) Um, The next couple we have is Jasmine and Blake. Jasmine is fresh from Finland. And, but she's still jet lagged and she's tired and not really wanting to be social. Um, Blake takes that as a great excuse to plan a pool party, um, at a cabana and invite all of his friends to come meet her. And 
basically like a party and drink all day. And we find out, dun, 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 that Jasmine doesn't even drink. So not only did Blake put her in a situation where she was tired and having to be social and meet a bunch of new people in a brand new country that she just moved to that they're also all going to be drinking and she is sober she says she doesn't like the taste of alcohol that she doesn't particularly like for Blake to drink because she doesn't want to taste it on him and that she just doesn't want to put poison in her body now does she say that with a face full of fillers and lip fillers and cheek fillers and Botox yeah but you know I guess we can't detect irony on her face, so maybe she was, maybe she was winking. We'll never know. <laughs> um, Blake is like <sighs> disappointed in her for not being social, which is whack. And she gets up and is like, she, you know, she gets there. She's doing her best. I think that oftentimes these women, these European women, especially. And, and the Latina women on the show do get a bad rap for having a bad attitude, but I think sometimes it's just cultural and also like not everybody is that social. And I think to pawn that off as just being like a cultural thing, I, as just like, oh, she's just like a cold European girl. I don't think it's fair. I think she, Jasmine was very clear about her boundaries. I think she expressed them very eloquently and she's my self-care queen <laughs> she stayed there she down she stayed she cheers them she was perfectly friendly with them she wasn't cold but she wasn't overly polite she answered all of their questions and then she was like you guys I'm really not feeling well so I'm going to have to excuse myself is it something that could easily be seen as rude? Yeah, but it's also, on the other hand, it's like you put her in a situation that you knew that she wouldn't be comfortable in, even in the best of circumstances, and now you're acting like she's the problem, and I don't think that's fair. Like, I think we have to compromise and meet people where they're at, and you can't just, like, force them to do things and then be disappointed when they don't act the way you want them to. I mean, sometimes people need to be pushed, but it's also like you basically knew everything that she didn't like. And then you threw it at her (laughs) and expected her to be happy. Um, So the next day they go to dinner and she admits that she's not a people person and that she knows that Blake is and that that's not really her vibe. She says that like she grew up in a community where all of her friends are friends that she's had since she was 10 and that that's just where her comfort zone lies and that meeting a lot of new people is like a struggle for her. And Blake keeps pushing it and keeps saying like, oh, my friends were really disappointed and kind of like intimating that like she made them uncomfortable, but like you made the situation uncomfortable, dude. Like that was on you. And he tries to act like he doesn't take it personally, but like he clearly is in his feelings about it. And I think that's super lame for him to like, cause I think she's trying to be as honest with him as possible. And I don't think he's doing her the same for her um and then she he kind of like tries to keep talking and it's this awesome part where she's like because they're eating dinner it's just you know I really 
I don't really like to talk when I'm eating. Like, I just kind of like to focus on the food and then we can talk later. <laughs> and I think I might steal that, to be honest, because I felt that in my spirit. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Last and least, Tanya ugh, and king of my heart, Ginger King Sinjin. Here we go. Tanya's sister is hosting a luncheon to introduce Sinjin to the rest of the family. Tanya's sister and mom had come to South Africa to visit, but he doesn't know like the extended parts of the family, the cousins, his, her grandma, what have you. Obviously, Tanya dressed up for the occasion by putting on the same pink Walmart t-shirt v-neck that she's been wearing this whole time no bra and basically just nary a brush to the head just put it up in a bun and see what happens baby hairs be damned they're waving free as her titties are below okay good for her um listen if you guys don't want to wear a bra that's fine but i know how i would look without wearing a bra on tv and i would look like tanya did so Listen, okay? <laughs> Sometimes we all need a boost and we need to be honest about that. Um, okay, so Sinjin is nervous. And I forgot that earlier that Tanya said that Sinjin had like kind of issues with race um, having lived in South Africa. And so Sinjin mentions that like he's basically never been to another culture's, you know, he's never been invited to another culture's family before that um, Tanya is um, Latina. So he said, basically, I'm kind of nervous about being thrown into this Latino family and not like Latinx, Latinx family. And, um, you know, like, I hope they accept me. And he also says that like, having met Tanya's sister and mom that he knows that they're like a matriarchal family and that that is kind of intimidating for him. Um, and he's right because we meet Mercedes who is Tanya's grandma and she is the best. She is like picture like Caroline Manzo, but Hispanic. She has short purple hair and like pretty much the same style as like an early season Caroline. And she is basically like, she said, Sinjin is part of the family, but 
he needs to learn to respect the family. And if he doesn't, then she'll be the first one getting in his face and defending her blood. <laughs> and then she makes a cut mark on her wrist. Like, I'm not new to this. I'm true to this. And I love you, Mercedes, for that. Um, Tanya has a nephew and Sinjin holds a baby for the first time. Tanya's loving it. She is saying that it's so great. <laughs> Then they go in a talking head, a couple talking head with Tanya and Sinjin. And she says that basically she's 29 now. And when she turns 30, half of her eggs just disappear. <laughs> and Sinjin turns to her and goes, did you read that in a book? <laughs> she said, yeah. He goes, okay, just checking. <laughs> so, um, we find out of course that Tanya just, couldn't resist her fuck shit this week. She couldn't find anything else to be stupid about. So then we find out that Tanya is going off to Costa Rica in a couple weeks to be in a 30-day intensive herbalism class in which she's going to learn all about indigenous herbs and medicines in order for her to be to come back, this is an investment in her future that she had been trying to go for years now and that she wasn't able to go because two years ago she was volunteering. Last year she was too busy not working on the she shed. And this year is just her time to shine. And finally, Tanya, after years of being completely selfish and narcissistic, finally Tanya is doing something for herself by leaving her immigrant husband future husband away for a month to do whatever the hell he wants to do in colchester connecticut so great for him um the family's like what you're leaving and her sister's like uh this is a really bad decision i think it's a disaster waiting to happen and uh yeah i think everybody agrees um gosh what an episode I very rarely watch 90 Day Fiance live because it's like The Bachelor for me like it, it's too long especially with the commercials two hours is quite the commitment so I hope you guys appreciate that I watched it and that I'm out the next day all right catch you next week I just wanted to end on a story that is old at this point but it it's still kind of on my mind so I posted on my Instagram um, pictures. It was a last Saturday night before Thanksgiving um, that news dropped that Justin Timberlake was spotted with a co-star in New Orleans. Um, and there was video and pictures of them holding hands, her hand on his leg, vice versa, being flirtatious, Um etc. It was obvious that Justin had been drinking. I mean, they were at a bar, obviously. Um, he did seem a little bit drunk, but I mean, whatever. He's a grown-ass man. And yeah, it seemed to really fly under the radar. And so one of the things that makes me think that this is true, because a lot of people were saying that the pictures were fake and that they were actually filming something at the time. And what we were seeing is like movie footage. Um, the one thing thing that I think really tipped me off as being a true story is the fact that um, 
the news had said that these pictures had been taken on Thursday, but they weren't released until Saturday night. Now, if you know anything about PR, Justin Timberlake potentially cheating on his wife is not a Saturday night worthy story. That is a prime time story. That's not a story that you hold on to two days later and just like, oh, um, by the way, we have like all of this footage of one of the A-list stars in the world cheating potentially on his wife. Like, that seems something that was very much like, we know this is happening, we're pulling out all the strings, and we're going to do what we can to make this as small a story as possible. Now, since then, they have come out as a united front and said like, oh, the pictures are not, you know, sources said that the pictures are... They don't look good, but they're going to stay together and, you know, work through this and that this is really isn't that big of a deal. Like, yeah, I'm sure it's not because we all know that Justin has been cheating on Jessica since well before they got married <laughs> or engaged. Uh, basically, he's not been faithful to her this whole time. But I don't know where I'm going with this. I, I guess I just wonder, like, what's it all for? I feel like we're really in the age of like, we're not doing beards anymore. We're not doing these like, like, why are we being subjected to Sean Mendez and Camila Cabello? Why are we doing this? <laughs> why are you wasting our time? Like when we all know that this is so fake, like, what is it all for? It does not does it benefit them to be like the laughing stock of Hollywood? Does it benefit Justin and Jessica to really be together? Like whose relationship does whose career, like who's who does this benefit? Justin, I guess, but like if we all know that you're cheating, then you're just like a fuck up. I don't get it. I guess I just want insight as to like what's it all what's it all for you guys as we go into twenty twenty? Let's let's have some clear vision, no pun intended. What's it all for? Let me know. I will talk to you guys. I said this was going to be a podcast that comes out every two weeks. That hasn't been happening, so maybe I just need to give it up and just keep just go weekly. But um, with that being said, I'll probably be back next week. And if I'm not, maybe, you know, we'll see. I'm, I'm Lucy. We'll, we'll Lucy. I'm Lucy. Um, with that, thank you for listening. Thank me for speaking. Please give me a five-star review if you have not on iTunes. Um, tell a friend. Post about it. Tell the world, you know? Okay. I love you guys. Goodbye.